Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 364th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the one cardboard finance podcast to rule them all. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I am your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter. And we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. As always, I'm looking forward to diving into this week's developments. But before we jump in, I just want to remind listeners that this show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at MTGPrice.com to plan your specs, chat on an amazing Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com. Save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what is on our agenda this week? Well, this week we've got uh, a Pro Tour to cover on Segment 1. We're going to talk about the metagame at the Pro Tour. We're also going to discuss a modern challenge that was online. Segment two is going to have our top paper movers and our top online movers as well. Segment three has our cards to watch. Uh, you and I have some picks we're going to talk about. And then we've got, uh, they chose the day after, no, two days after the Pro Tour to just drop all kinds of announcement bombs on us. And we've got to cover what that means. Sounds good. Let's jump on over to the metagame week in review, where by far the you know the biggest deal of the week was the return of the paper pro tour. We had all the remaining available luminaries of the magic competitive scene gathering together to lay test to the current pioneer meta. And I don't think I'm the only one, far from the only one, to be very stoked give a hearty congratulations live to Reed Duke, a Hall of Fame Magic the Gathering player, and I think Hall of Fame personality by most people's standards. This guy had never won a Pro Tour. He uh, narrowly missed winning a World Championship at one point, but had never actually put a, put away a PT. And it was quite the story because he was in the finals up against a guy... Uh, Benton Madsen, who had qualified for the Pro Tour via playing Arena on his phone. And he had a bit of a rogue deck in green-white auras. He was interviewed early on in the tournament when he was doing reasonably well and said he expected to go 0-8 on day one and instead found himself in the finals of the Pro Tour across from none other than Mr. Duke. Yeah, uh, he was trying to be super humble and uh, he chose uh the right deck at the right time and he was all up in there it was amazing to watch quite frankly it was a good tournament i like watching the draft uh from firex all will be one I, by most people's standards it seems to be one of the least favorite of the draft formats of the last year but that's not necessarily a huge knock to the format given that there have been quite a lot of excellent draft formats this year uh however as the tournament played through and we started to see the shape of the meta it ended up being very similar to what you see in the magic online meta unlike uh, the pro tours of old there was no huge hey we broke it moment we didn't see tyvar 
show up in huge quantity. We didn't see a Traxa breakthrough and cause havoc. It was mostly uh, expected decks. We did have creativity combo in, in Reed's hands come out on top, running notably four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, a Xenagos, and a World Spine Worm as the targets for the, the Indomitable Creativities. That also finished in fifth place in the hands of Gabrielle Nassif, none other than. So that's another Pro Tour top eight and his feather in his cap. Quite impressive. In, in the yellow hat of fame. Yeah. There was green, white auras, as we said, in second. Uh, four light paws uh, in that deck. Fires of Invention was in third, which is probably the, the other interesting deck here. This is uh, a Yorion 80-card brew with all sorts of one-of silver bullets to go get and relying on enigmatic incarnation, uh, which is probably what we should have called it here since it's not really a Fires of Invention deck. It's much more an an enigmatic deck, yeah. Uh, We had Mono White Aggro in fourth. We had Lotus Field Combo in sixth and seventh. And Rakdos Midrange made it into the top eight. But looking at the uh, performance breakdown from the tournament, Rakdos was something like 45% to win in all of its matches, and that was given that it came into the tournament with a huge swath of the tournament running it. So it looks like the the meta had the top deck's number and was able to prevent it from dominating. Yeah, the uh, the Rakdos decks did not look good against things like Indomitable Creativity, did not look good against things like uh, Lotus Field Combo. Like, that's just a bad matchup for the Rakdos deck. You can do your best to pull the hand apart, but, you know, eventually they're just going to go off. And since these decks, uh, you're having to, your creature removal, you've got to use it on their Sokensen spirits. Or you've got to, like, be able to shatter their treasure tokens uh, in response to, I don't even know if it works If in response to a creativity. Does it have to actually destroy the artifact to go? Or is it just destroy X artifacts and then go find X? Mm, I'm not sure if the targets still need to be present or not, to be honest. I'd have to double check Yeah, that. I'm not sure either. But, uh, you know, this I agree, this was a, a heavy metagame call. This, the teams that did the right planning, did the right scouting, figured it out from online, they went in and they, they had a plan and they executed it well. And uh, like you said, congratulations to Reed Duke, who finally gets this on his resume. Now, over in the Modern Challenge, back on Magic Online, a Rogue Brew took down the challenge on February 19th. This is a Jeskai mid-range deck. But that really isn't the whole story here. This is a... There's two Elish Norn Mother of Machines in this deck. And that's alongside four Fury and four Solitude, four Ragavan, three Season Pyromancer, four Blood Moon, three Fable of the Mirror Breaker, four Lightning Bolt, and three March of Otherworldly Light. More than half of this deck is cards printed in the last two years. And a chunk of the rest of it was less than four years old. The one inclusion here that confused me a little is Three Timeless Dragon. This is a largely forgotten card from MH1 that is a 5-mana five 5-5 five, five flyer. It has plane cycling for 2 and eternalize for 4. So I have to imagine that what's going on here is they are using the dragon relatively early to go cycle for a Rogren Triome as necessary to make sure that their mana is solid. And then later... Uh, they pay four to put a 5-5 five, five token of the dragon out of the yard and into play. It's a 4-4 four, four when you eternalize, but yeah. Okay, 4-4. Four, four. Um, but I don't see any interactions with Elish Norn, which is something I found odd. Well, I mean, it, plus it's a white card to pitch to Solitude. Um, True. It's a, a card you, you don't mind discarding to Fable of the Mirror Breaker. I think this is just in here for the value. You're going to, like you said, 
get your land. You've got uh, Ragavan early, and you've got Lightning Bolt and March of Otherworldly Light. You don't really have a lot of two-drop in here, and so you can spend this at the end of the turn and just uh, get in there and get your... Make sure you're going to find uh, whichever triome you want. Oh, there's only one triome? Really? Uh, actually, the story... I see what's going on here. It's not just that it's a two-drop for the plane cycling. It's a four-drop for Eternalize. And the reason those even numbers matter is that this is an Obosh deck. So, oh. so this is your two and four-drop in between your one, three, and fives. <laughs> that's that's very, an awesome interaction. That's very cute. Because Obosh just looks at what its cost is on the field, and mm-hmm. when it's on the field, it is a 5-drop, even if you paid 4 to get it as a 4-4 four, four flyer. Nifty. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. So, what is the interaction with Elish Norn, Mother of Machines, and Fable of the Mirror Breaker? Does it go to the second chapter of the Fable immediately with Elish Norn in play? No, because what happens is uh, the only thing that comes, uh, nothing happens on comes into play. Hmm. Okay. So, so then the only things that are triggering off off Elishnorn then are the Furies and the Solitudes. She's just and the Season Pyromancers. Uh, that would appear to be correct. Uh, Eternalize is not a triggered ability. You're not getting anything off that. Like you don't get anything off Blood Moon. Uh, you don't even have like pri- the um, not prismatic ending. What's the enchantment I'm thinking of that gets lower for domain? Um, they were playing it at the the Pioneer. Leyline Binding. Leyline Binding. Leyline Binding. That's the card. Like, there's not even any of that going on here, and I just presume that this Alesh Norn. There's a third one in the board too. Is there a sideboard combo we're missing? Let's see. I don't know if Orvar's a thing. Mega sure isn't. Relic sure isn't. Maybe it's just in there for ridiculous. Although Season Pyromancers. A pretty fun one to do uh, if you've got a Leshnorn out. Yep. So really, really, she only has 11 interactions that I can see. That seems right, yeah. Because Ragavan doesn't even have a come into play. Now, of course, Fable compounds that, because if you can flip a Fable, then you can start uh, duplicating your Furies and Solitudes and then getting double, double duty, double times, which can get out of control in a hurry and probably put the game away. Really does. Yeah. So then we had Black Red Scam running, notably running one Phyrexian Flesh Gorger in second. We had Amulet Titan making uh, one of its first top eights with three copies of the Mycosynth Gardens. Not first top eight for Titan, just with the gardens. Fourth was Blue Red Murktide. Green White Hammer was in fifth. Mono Red Saga was a fairly interesting deck here in sixth. This is a. Monastery Swift Spear, Dragon Rays Channeler, Ragavan deck. Okay, so that's pretty standard for red, but it's also got four Voldaren Epicure, and then three Sh- Shrapnel Blast and four Galvanic Blast, and 12 different artifacts that it can go search up with vis a vis Urza's Saga. So this is a variant on a deck that Aspiring Spike was running a few weeks back on stream that some other uh, streamers picked up on, and here we see it top aiding a challenge. Yeah, I mean, in the main, you've got two spell bombs, uh, a relic, a shadow spear, and a springleaf drum to go find. Oh, and uh, four baubles and synthesizer. Ooh, saga into synthesizer is hot. That is a that is a happy happy combo. And then finishing things up, we have Bant Hammer in seventh and Blue Red Murktide in eighth. So modern continuing to have a little bit of spice on top of a fairly stable format week after week. 
Moving on, o- moving on over to segment two, top paper movers, all sorts of stuff on the move. Skull Clamp Borderless Secret Lair. Uh, these are cards that were recently delivered to vendors and players who bought them via the Secret Lair back in October, I believe. Going 17 to 23 on early targeting. Of course, course Skull Clamp has 300,000 reported decks on the EDH rec. <laughs> and if it was legal and modern, you'd see tons of it there as well. There are two versions of Skull Clamp from the last six months. There's the 40k copies and Surge Foil copies, and there is this Borderless. I suspect both of them are going to be gainers over the next 12 months. We have Vorinclex Montre- Monstrous Raider, the Borderless concept art found in All Will Be One, I think, set booster packs and collector booster packs, if I'm not mistaken, going 52 to 74. This is just non-foils on early targeting for 40% gains. I'm a little surprised at that one. Vorinclex got pretty low on its original printing and took a while to catch back up, but I guess all the Atraxa hype may be driving some of that, and the fact that it doubles counters that are put onto players could be leveraging the Poison hype from this set. Uh, so, solid movement there. We've also got Screlv, Defector Might, also from 1, 5 to 750. That's on the back of relatively broad play early on in both Standard, Pioneer, Modern, and some EDH play. Does a Giver of Runes or uh, Mother of Runes impression and uh, was on camera doing some work in the finals of the Pro Tour, if I'm not mistaken, in that green-white deck. We have the Eternal Wanderer Step and Complete Borderless Foils going 14 to 22. That's a rare, not a mythic, but the Wanderer is a popular character, and it is seeing a smattering of play in Standard Pioneer and EDH, where I suspect it has its most natural home as a relatively reliable sweeper that also fits into Atraxa Super Friends decks. Yeah, that uh, that minus four ability leaves the, the Planeswalker behind, and uh, they get to keep their worst creature, you get to keep your best. It is a ridiculously unfair and therefore super fun card. Jace the Perfected Mind Borderless uh, has taken up a home in blue-black modern mill as a three of. In paper, I suspect there still isn't that much blue-black mill built, but on Magic Online, it is a persistent thorn in the sides of anybody trying to run through a league. You have a pretty decent chance of having to fight through at least one of those decks. As a result, you're seeing Emrakul, uh, the Eons Torn, in a lot of sideboards so that you have some chance of uh, recycling your graveyard. Problem is, at least two of the major cards that are four ofs in the blue-black mill deck can get around that by exiling cards uh, instead of dropping them to the yard. And so Jace does some really good work there as a card that can potentially knock, you know, 8, 12 cards off the top in the right circumstances and can shut down a singular attacker as necessary. We also have Arcane Signet number 228. This is a Surge Foil out of the 40k sets. Foils going 5 to 9. Surge Foil targeting has been an ongoing thing ever since October when the set came out. I can get behind things like Skull Clamp and Arcane Signet more than some of the other ones that have been targeted. For instance, we have Tyrant Guard on this list, also from 40k. Those Surge Foils going 18 to 40. That seems very high to me for a card that is good in Counters Matters decks, but isn't the kind of super staple that I expect to see a $40 version of right out of the gate. I mean, uh, this is a, a sweet version of the card. It's not like there's that many um, special versions of the card to choose from. So you had to buy the, the Surge Foil deck. You had to find somebody who d- didn't want to keep the cards. There's just not a lot of these in circulation. And I think for 
the ones that aren't staples, it's just going to be a question of do people want to pay the super duper premium until Wizards gets around to printing this deck again. And I think that's just a matter of time. I just don't think it'll be any time, you know, this year, maybe next year, but probably not for a while on these surge foils. So if you've got some, uh, just wait and you will have your time in the sun. I think it's actually, uh, given that we're in this era of constant reprints, and we'll talk about that a lot in segment four today, but the 40k cards seem to me like cards that are the least likely to catch a reprint. Now, if they went ahead and did more 40k decks in the fall, the thing is there's only the most generic cards, your things like your arcane signets, would be likely to get picked off there because the themes of the decks this past fall were very specific. And the next time around, they will likely choose different alien races from that universe that will have a completely different theme. And so most of the main uh, storied characters, the named legends... And the very theme-heavy cards would probably be safe in that instance. Now, if they did a 40k master set in five years or something, because they were doing them every year, that would be a different story. Then you could start talking about reprints. But I don't, I don't see any easy home for most of these cards. You know, one good test will be whether this newly announced Commander Masters set that's coming out in August might have any renamed versions thereof. But I, I, I believe they told us that they weren't doing that this time around. So these could be safer than than most alternatives. I agree with that. I just think that um, I don't I don't expect there to be a lot of uh, 40k stuff coming along the, the way. And so like having the surge foil uh, just means that you have gotten the only like you had two choices. You have the original and you have the surge foil. So it's not like it's special because it's a surge foil. You just, you have the regular version and you have the shiny version. We know how much the shiny decks were going for, and people want to have shiny cards. And sometimes they're willing to pay a premium price, and they're willing to do it on the Tyrant Guard. Uh, I expect to see most Surge Foils, you know, to be noticed, especially the ones that, like you said, they're hard to reprint outside of a 40k, Masters, reprint, whatever it is they decide to do. I just think that it shows how well Wizards nailed this particular product and how people are willing to, to pay this sort of extra. Not necessarily for the foiling, for the special foiling treatment of the Surge Foil, but just the fact that you have the regular and the foil. You know, you have a, a special version to go after. Thank you for all the collectors. I'm not sure I fully agree with all that. The Surge Foils are surging, <laughs> uh, pardon the pun, Largely because speculators and vendors are going after them, and that's happening because they know that the Surge Foil decks were never reprinted. Right. So this is just a... In the same way that 7th edition foils were targeted for years, and then later it was like 20-year-old OBFs were targeted for years, and people went after, you know, duels five years before that. The And apparently duels were, were highly sought after on the floor at the Pro Tour this weekend. Um, because vendors are starting to come around to the fact, the realization that the 30th anniversary thing was more of a blip on the radar than a major change in policy. So all of, all of that being said, I don't, you know, if something like a tyrant card, if, if it's in theory a forty dollar card now, sell. Yes, like that, that's not a hold. Looking for eighty. Yes. That's you know, if if you if you you could convince me that arcane signet surge foils are still a buy at nine and will eventually be twenty, but some of these you know very narrower non-staple 
cards that most people will not remember even exist <laughs> if they get this high you know it's a good reason to crack decks and sell singles i'm with you on that one of the cool things is that you can list the singles on something like tcg player without cracking the deck you have in your possession and then when the first card sells go ahead and crack and start and start rolling from there so you have options also on the li- on this list unsurprisingly a card from reed duke's winning list at the pro tour indomitable creativity went 16 to 32 this thing hasn't caught a reprint anywhere nope. uh and doesn't seem likely to catch it in anything that has been revealed this year. I would say Secret Layer is the biggest risk. Secret Layer seems Doesn't... really likely. I mean, you never know when they want to squeeze something like this in, but it does seem very, very unlikely. Indomitable Creativity is not really that much of an EDH card. It's only in 4,000 decks, which is less than 1% of all red decks reported since it came out. So I don't think it's going to be in Commander Masters, and it's not going to be in the Lord of the Rings set. So it's probably... Uh, unless they're doing renamed cards in Lord of the Rings, which they were a little cagey about today, so it leads me to believe there will be some renamed reprints sure. in Lord of the Rings, or not renamed. Like, they could just do Lightning Bolt, and, and it's not that unusual yeah. uh, in, in in that lore, because it seems like they're going beyond just the story of Frodo. Um, the naming of the set makes it seem like it's kind of like the whole universe of Lord yeah. of the Rings being encapsulated here, in which case... They can go a little wider with interpretations of magic and so forth. <laughs> now, we also have a Traxa Grand Unifier, uh, 18 to 36, just regular copies. Multi-format, early, super staple contender for sure, but I've been telling people on Twitter to go ahead and sell into this hype. I, I'm not a huge believer in the card having massive staying power in these formats. I believe it's going to end up to be more of a curiosity than a mainstay, and indeed, we haven't seen it top eight a challenge to my knowledge yet. It has potential legs in both Pioneer and Modern, and so, and the deck list could continue to get refined, and it could turn a corner and, and start to become dominant. But this is a very high power level format. Goryeo's Vengeance with Gristlebrand was already available. Uh, Atraxa is a step up from that, but that strategy is still as easily targeted as it was before. Um, they just have a better target in the yard these days. Right. That's what I was going to say is that um, depending on what you end up with in the yard is how what makes your uh, reanimator strategy work. And this one can draw you uh, as a bunch of cards, especially depending on how you build your deck. Um, you're probably not going to hit a lot of Planeswalker or Tribal or, as we're going to find out, Battle cards. But I do think that this is going to have uh, legs in Commander too, so... I would be selling. I agree with you, especially the non-foil regular copies at 36 for an imprint mythic. I can't hit that sell button fast enough. Now, longer term, I'll be a buyer. Yes. Like, it will be a spec again on it this cast at some point if it gets lower. There is no question in my mm-hmm. mind. Uh, what do you, th- the, what do you the, think? Maybe the card 10? Is, I don't know. I mean, it's it's pushing, pushing mid-30s here. I could see it fading to low 20s from that point. Getting to 10 seems tough from 36. Uh, we'll have to see like how much gets open because this is a crazy popular set, so we'll, we'll find out. The, the, the thing is, when it's played, it's played as a That's also of, true. And it's a top 20 commander right now being built. So there's, 10 seems... All right, you're, you talked me around. Yeah, 10 is optimistic. There's, there's the legacy play. There's the potential for Pioneer. Something could come together in Standard. It's a great card. Don't get me wrong. It's just, it's already had a very hard early spike. Right. And to me, given that we're still in the first couple of weeks of inventory release, that's for sure a sell. Um, all right. Clever Concealment 
has been clearly targeted. 9 to 20. This is out of the all-will-be-one commander decks. And it lets you... It's 4 mana, 2 and 2 white if I'm not mistaken, but it has Convoke. And so potentially by tapping two creatures and paying two white mana... Actually, I guess Convoke you can pay all costs, Correct. right? You can so it tap could, four could creatures to this. Yeah. Yeah, so, if in Gin- so in Ginny Fae, I'm going to tap four Vigilance uh, Dogs and phase out whatever I need to in response to a Sweeper. So it's very Teferi's Protection-esque. Is that good enough to make it a $20 card? Maybe. 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 Uh, is that Commander deck targetable? There's a couple of good cards in there. But this feels... I don't think this is when... This didn't double 10 to 20 on the back of player demand. This doubled 10 to 20 because somebody decided it's probably a future 20 to $30 card and they wanted to make it happen. That seems much more likely than just the, the organic demand for a card like this. Because honestly, it's worse than Teferi's Protection, right? I mean, you can end up paying zero because it's got the Convoke. So if you've already got the creatures that are untapped, that can that can be better in that way. But it also doesn't save you from anything. So I would go and say this is a little bit worse than Protection. Oh, yeah, because if somebody's alpha striking you, Protection just nope. Sorry, that, Sorry. that whole you, process. You, it, good try, if, son. Good try. If you do that with Clever Concealment, you just removed all your blockers. Yeah. <laughs> so that's not quite the same thing. And the other thing here is, however, there is some flexibility in maybe you want something to die. Maybe. Like maybe there's maybe you're sweeping, but you've got an on-death trigger. Sure. And so you want to leave something behind. There's probably some cute tricks that can be run with this card. Uh, am I a believer at 20? No, I think I'm a seller at 20. Definitely seller. And yeah, so if you've got this deck sitting around and you don't need this card, maybe because you got a bunch of Teferi's Protections in your collection already, you go ahead and sell this for 20 and pay for most of the deck. It's a great plan. I love that plan. Uh, we've also got Urabrask Concept Step and Complete Foils going 13 to 33. This is only an 11,000 decks on EDH Rec so far, so this feels targeted to me. Like people are going after Step and Complete Foils as some of the hardest to pull and most desirable special cards out of one. Urabrask is just not Shieldred or uh norn so i'm not buying this i i think these are going to float back down and i think i'm a seller at that price i am probably uh with you on that remember that the step and complete foils came in a separate slot so it is not the same level of magnitude of difficulty to pull um the super special cards from there um just you know keep that in mind when you're remembering you know which exact foil type you're pulling from this particular set We've also got the Atraxa Foils. This is just pack regular foils going 13 to 45. That's a very significant gain in a very short period of time. So again, I'm a seller. There, There is a step, sorry, there is a step incomplete, but it's not on the manga art because that was just for Planeswalkers. It's on the borderless art. And the step incomplete foils are 130. Well, I guess the, the lowest price copies are about 100 bucks right now. Because it had skyrocketed over 130, but it's already retracing, which is why I told people to sell last week when the getting was good. Yeah, there is the uh, the oil slick version too, which will be ah right forthcoming from the complete bundles. So yeah, all, all of that means with with that many versions and it not being all that narrow, actually, uh, I'm I'm a seller for sure. I'm with you. I agree. Wrap, wrapping things up here, we've got Organic Extinction. This was part of the Neon Dynasty Commander uh, cards, and 
this is the one it's the probably targeted this week because it's the third most popular neck edh rec card going from a dollar to six dollars that's probably fine as a spec because even if it settles at three or four if you're selling on direct you can still do just fine and apparently this was your pick on episode 314 to go 1.5 to 5. So it looks like you got there. Uh, well, I, I said the the extended arts, which have done something very similar. So, uh, you know, I said it in 12 to 18 months. And here we are 50 weeks later. So That's the sweeper that has affinity for artifacts and destroys all non-artifacts? It's got uh, improvise. So instead of affinity. Improvise. So your artifacts tap for a mana that can use it. But yeah, it's it's an awesome card. Wrapping things up, we've got Everflowing Chalice Surge Foils going 3 to 20. 109,000 on EDH rack, but that was almost certainly targeted. That's just somebody biting off 20, 30, 40 copies and and leaving a fairly hollow gap behind. Yeah, if you can get that price for it, I would go for it. If you're in big mana decks in EDH, that's a handy card to have. Uh, I'm not sure Surge Foils are going to be easy to sell at $20 plus, but I guess that will be tested by the market shortly. Moving on over to Magic Online, no big surprise that Reed winning with Creativity made Creativity Jump, went from 3.43 ticks to 7.8, 127% gains there from the winning Pro Tour deck. And then over in Standard, there is a Grixis list that's doing very well, and as a result, Necessary 4 of Lands took a big jump. We have Haunted Ridge going from 1 ticket to 3.87, 287% gains, and Xander's Lounge going 1.28 to 4.3. Those are very, very sexy returns if you put together baskets last summer of like 40 or 50 copies of the imprint Standard Lands waiting for them to get to their second year that has been a fairly consistent strategy on that platform and here we see it come home to roost again all will be one is probably one of the least hyped mythics out of all will be one the set and yet in aspiring spike was on stream today with a red green combo brew in modern where he was using quest for the pure flame and all will be one to be a splinter twin-esque two-card combo where uh, all will be one is checking for you to put permanent uh, counters on permanence and then quest for the pure flame uh, deals damage and then and then you put another counter on and then it deals damage and it's basically an instant kill. So this went from 0.65 tickets to 2.74. Uh, I would imagine that that deck will be a flash in the pan, and I have a feeling that if you happen to have any of those in hand from drafts or what have you, you want to be selling those into that hype. I agree. Like uh, imprint mythics are hard for them to to keep value in something, especially because they're super niche. Uh, it is neat how good all will be one is with planeswalkers. Um, I was trying to mess around with that with a uh, super friends deck and a bunch of planeswalkers. And when it works, it's like phenomenal and amazing and everything. But then sometimes it just doesn't do anything and you die. So as long as you've got a deck full of the right uh, pieces for it, uh, this is going to do uh, some impressive work. I think it will occasionally show up and just like spike the occasional tournament here and there. Like we're going to see it pop up say, oh, look, it's been a month. Time for one Quest of the Pure Flame. All will be one combo deck. And uh, that's that's how this is going to go. So... If you can get the uh, the full 2.74 for it, I would be in favor of that because there's a whole lot of product getting open on Magic Online. Yeah, fair enough. 
All right, we can move over to the cards to watch here. Um, I've got a card I thought must have been a pick on here. I, I thought that too when I saw this on the sheet. But I looked, and and I think we had just missed the boat uh, at one point. And so it hasn't shown up here. But Ledger Shredder Foil Extended Arts, uh, currently sitting at about 35. There are 37 listings left for these on TCG Player. It is definitely worth flagging that the gaming company, one of the biggest sellers on that platform, seems to have access to tons and tons and tons of Streets of New Capanda collector boosters because they posted a hundred and six actually there's 106 copies now but there was even more than that last week so there is a significant wall posted at 39 dollars here but there are still some copies below that floating around between 29 and 35 and to my eye those look like buys you they said they put uh that many copies uh, in foil extended art on there yeah wow that's a lot of cbs that's a lot of collector boosters they opened as like a pallet yeah. or something. So, thing is, Ledger Shredder is in 30,000 decks already on ADH Rec in less than a year from its release. So, a definite super stable. It is a four of in a modern deck, Blue Red Murktide, that does good work on a regular basis. There are a variety of versions of that deck that suggest that some form of Blue Red will continue to evolve inside the format and is unlikely to be knocked out. And... It's also a top 50 creature over in Pioneer. So it's it's also still in print, technically. So we're very unlikely to see a secret layer of it this year. We're very unlikely to see it in Commander Legends, despite its, its success in that format, because a lot of those decisions would have been made before, you know, while this right. card was still to come out or was freshly out. So really not on their radar for reprint quite yet. Now, two years from now, I, you know, the... the Recent announcements about Ragavan that we'll talk about shortly here suggest that Ledger Shredder is not safe on a mid to long term horizon, but on a short term horizon, it looks pretty good. So I'm calling these to go 35 to 60 within the next 18 months, and it is largely contingent on it not getting a secret layer printing in six months. I think that's the only potential fly in this ointment. Like if you've got a a big stack on uh, TCG Player waiting to get bought. Thank you to the gaming company. Um, that's real hard to argue with, given its uh, wide adoption. You know, this is uh, one of the most expensive cards in that particular set. It's all over the place. And I think that... Uh, what's the price on regular Shredder right now? Like, that's really going to be the determining factor on whether it ends up, like... It'd be the, it'd have to be the anchor of the uh, the set, right? the particular secret layer drop let's see regular litter shredder is like, 20 it's like 20 bucks yeah so this is a, a really strong candidate for inclusion there and i think you're right the secret layer or the reprint is inevitable but um i like picking this up and moving it out again in the 60 range in a couple of months you should be able to get there i like your odds I'm with it. I mean, it depends how many times uh, gaming company and other big vendors can re-up. Oof. Because we know that the SNC CBs didn't sell all that well versus their print run. So they got real, real cheap. People have snapped off $120, $130, $140 uh, uh, units. And the, ve- the vendors like TGC are getting them even cheaper. So if I, if I believed that there was 
very little of the product floating around. If I was in an era where the reprint cadence was longer, I seriously can like was staring at this the other day, this this wall from TGC, and I was like, four thousand dollars. Yeah. Can I turn it into six thousand dollars if I wait a year? Mm. And then, and I was like, hmm. If I buy a hundred copies, I have to sell twenty five playsets before it catches a significant reprint. Is that possible? And I came to the conclusion that I'm probably not ballsy enough to take a hundred copies, but I will probably buy twelve to sixteen copies shortly after recording the cast as. A, a lower risk taken spec on what looks like a very strong card. I can agree with that. I don't, I, I've gotten past the era where I'm going to buy like all of a card that I can see, but I, I see where you're coming from that this feels like when it's, it, it's a hard thing to miss on, but you are keenly aware of the velocity at which reprints are coming. And this one, like, like we said, you know, has the value to be, in a secret layer without any real difficulty. So I, I'm, I'm with you on the profit. I'm with you on the risks involved. That makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Talk to me about your first selection here. My first pick is uh, part of one of the things we're going to talk about later. Um, we got some news that with Commander Masters coming out in August, there's going to be uh, some five-color decks, one of which will be headlined by my favorite big happy dude, that's right, the Ur-Dragon is coming back. And if the Ur-Dragon is coming back, then you know what we get to run back? We get to run back all the Dragon specs that have already done well in some cases or haven't yet had a chance to do well. Today, first one is Astral Dragons in Extended Art. There's no foils of these yet. Uh, there is a risk that you, you end up with a foil version in Commander Masters, but that seems unlikely. Uh, this was in Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Uh, you can currently get them for about $5, and I think this is going to hit 15 There's not a lot of copies online at this point, and there, you know, there is always the chance of reprint, but it is trending upward right now if you look at uh, the numbers that it is moving right now on TCG Player. So this, if you haven't played with it, it's uh, a huge cost card. Don't get me wrong, it's 8 mana, 6 blue blue. But you get uh, two copies of a non-creature permanent. Is it you or anyone? Uh, create two tokens that are copies of target non-creature permanent, except they are 3-3 three, three dragon creatures in addition to their other types, and they have flying. So you get to choose some non-creature permanent in play, make two copies of it that are 3-3 three, three dragons. There's a lot of dumb combos with this card, too. Yeah, you can make somebody's... Skull clamp in their Rhystic study into dragons. Sure. Uh, no, you're gonna make. Uh, you don't turn theirs into dragons. You get dragons. No, no, that's what I mean. But like, you're you're copying theirs and turning them to dragons. Well, you copy their skull clamp twice, or you copy the Rhystic study twice. Yes. Oh, you. Oh, it's only. It's, you don't get to choose two targets. Got it. You got choose it. one target. Yes. Right. Yeah. So you can get two Rhystic studies. Yep. Sounds good. Uh, I like this card. I, I'm concerned it's a little under the radar. But eleven thousand in a year is not terrible, um, by any means. It's it's a it's a a, a mid tier card. Uh, I don't think it has a chance of reprint, to be honest, because it is too young for that. They could give you regular copies in the commander decks, yeah, in the commander decks. But 
is one of the is one of the commander decks that was announced dragon themed? Uh, the Ur Dragons in the set. No, I I know, but is is the Ur Dragon oh. the Ur Dragon's not the leader of the deck though, right? I don't think so. I think our Discord's I'm... been doing a really good job keeping up with like the exact things posted, and I don't think that we've we've got dragon. Let me just talk this through. Okay. It's one of them slivers. Yes. One of them is enchantments. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is planeswalkers. Yeah. And the fourth one is Eldrazi. So yeah, there's there aren't the only place for it to be reprinted then would be in the actual set itself. And given that this card came out barely a year ago, I think that's extremely unlikely. That is extremely unlikely. It's just not. A, it's just just not a high high enough priority reprint for them. All right. Thank you for talking me out of that. Uh, now, in, in terms of whether this can go 5 to 15, my concern is that Ur-Dragon is not off people's radar. It's It's been a top commander uh, for most of the year and is currently sitting in number f- like fifth slot. So I'm not sure that a fresh printing of the card really puts us into... Um, I'm not convinced that that activates dragon specs. Now, the counter, the counterpoint to that, however, is that the Ur Dragon only has two yeah. versions. It has the Commander 2017 version, whose current market price on TCG Player is $82, and it has the Secret Layer version, whose price is $100. And if I'm not mistaken, there's a f- it is a foil. There's only foils of that. There's only so, foils of Ur Dragon running around. Yes. So you certainly can make the argument. That there are people gate kept out of building the Ur Dragon because they can't get cheap copies, yes. and that if there's enough juice in Commander Masters, yes. then if you can get Ur Dragons for twenty dollars oh to thirty dollars or forty dollars, then more people will pick up the deck and start building it. I can't that, wait to buy the Ur Dragon at twenty dollars. I can't tell you how excited I am at the concept of buying copies of the Ur Dragon for so darn cheap. Fair enough. So if you be- if you believe in the Cheap access to Ur Dragon sells dragons, then maybe you're right here. I, I think that I'm a hundred percent right on this because Ur Dragon has never been under like in the last five years there hasn't been a copy of it available under like fifty dollars. You like you said it perfectly well. It's been a, a gatekeeper kind of thing, and if people like playing with Miriam, wait till they get a chance to find out what it's like to have a mana rock on the field that nobody can ever deal with. It's so good. All right, so my next selection is Spara's Headquarter Borderless Foils from SNC. Now, keep in mind, we just flagged that SNC premium rares are at risk of there being a continuous supply thereof. Right. So keep that in mind. However, these tri-lands are draining pretty much on schedule to my eye, and I'm looking at... A variety of them, I mean, pretty much all of them are in a very similar boat. And if we look at Spara's uh, over on TCG Player, the foil borderless is currently sitting at about $35. There's only 45 listings. And unlike with Ledger Shredder, where there was over 100 uh, copies sitting there, Gaming Company only has 60 of these. Uh, They weren't that easy to pull versus in Ikoria. That's why they have been propped up at a higher price point than the Foil Borderless Triumphs were from the previous iteration of their release. 
So I'm looking at Spar's headquarters border list to go from this 35 price point to 60 in about 12 to 18 months. Uh, I don't see any obvious place for these to be reprinted because again, this is a set that is still in print. And so to see them uh, at this few listings, despite the wall set up by a gaming company, suggests to me, given how quickly they are selling, that they are probably going to get there. Now, one of the things that has my attention is how many of the current top 20 commanders need this for this specific land. Atraxa is back on top as the top built commander this month, and she certainly needs a green, blue, white land. Urtet Remnant of Memnarch is in second. He would, he or she would also like that land. The Ur Dragon is in fifth, and you can run a headquarters in that deck for sure. Mm-hmm. Jota the Unifier is in ninth. You have Omnath in 18th and Atraxa Grand Unifier in 19th. Every single one of those commander decks is going to want a copy of Spar's Headquarters. And I'm sure we will get more five color goodies in the future. So I think these are looking pretty good. So my concern is, and I, I, I see what you said about like, it's still in print, uh, that it didn't sell as well. It was a harder pull. Like the Ikoria Triomes are still available in the $30 range for the borderless foil, correct? I, I'm i looking at Rogrin right check. now. Rog- yeah, I'm looking at Rogrin Triumph Showcase. Yes. Yeah, they're sitting at about 30 Yeah, so you're thinking that because of these other influences on the Streets of New Capenna versions, that they're going to be under a lot more pressure. Uh, there's still demand for it in standard. You know, there it is. It is still a standard legal card, and people need a lot of it. That, although you're talking about the special version, and that's usually not a standard thing, but it is a modern and a pioneer thing. It is they, a modern they, and pioneer especially thing, yes. especially in modern where they can fetch them up. Almost every deck has one, two, or three triumphs yeah. these days. Yeah, just pick whichever triumph you want. I, <clears throat> I can see this. Um, what do you think the risk is for? some kind of like unified t- set of 10 triomes in a secret layer in the next 12 months. That's probably the biggest risk is that they would do ultimate secret layer. Is it three or four? Uh, 23. And, and, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I, I had talked on an earlier cast, maybe a year ago when these first came out, that that might be a possibility because they might choose to do the, what they could do is they could do two sets of them. They could do the Ikoria ones in uh, Streets of New Capenna style <laughs> and the Streets of New Capenna in Ikoria style. And then people could pick the one they like the best and have all of them matching, which I'm sure would be pop- a popular result. And if they did that as a program where they were distributed through LGSs, it would be kind of a win-win-win. Now, I will say that Rogren has trailed off this year, in part possibly due to the presence of the other new Triomes. But it was up to forty-seven dollars, mm. and the entry on those was fifteen to twenty. Yeah, originally. So I made good money buying Ikoria Triumphs in Japan and and Europe and bringing them over, and continue to do. I sell, you know, a small handful of those per week, and it's always money. It's like a five dollar to a fifteen, a ten or fifteen dollar foil to a twenty or thirty dollar foil, etc. And it's been very good to me. I suspect that the SNC versions already being having sat at a higher price point has been a result of how they are uh, a harder pull from the respective cbs and given how they have drained so far where there are more rogren triumph foil listings on tcg player than there are from the ones that are two years younger that's wild that 
that to me says these are going to drain out. Okay. And and as a result, I think that this is a pretty solid entry point given the very broad play pattern. If and if you like ledger shredders having thirty thousand demand on EDH rec, <laughs> th- this thing is at fifty thousand. And more to the point, typically you're looking for something like a ten percent plus inclusion rate in a color to call something a true super staple. You're talking about your smothering tithes, your risk studies, and so forth. These trilanes have 30% plus inclusion in their colors. Because why would you not run them in a format where you've got a bunch of trilands and you're playing three colors plus? I find it hard to believe it's only 33% of decks that could run it are running it. Gate kept by the plethora of dual lands that don't make them a uh, requirement. I suppose. There's there's so many cycles of two color lands, plus mana rocks at two, you know, things like Arcane Signet getting issued into the format made it a lot easier to fix your mana early anyway uh, for pretty cheap. So people don't need to run the triomes, but if they're running fetches, they probably are. You probably should be. All right, you've talked me into it. I'm I'm on board. Talk to me about the spec that I'm certain was either yours or Travis's at some previous date years back. Uh, you know, I can't find it in the archives. So if it's I... It's got to be at least two years gotta, ago. Got to be from a while ago. Uh... I talked about dragons. I love dragons. I love talking about dragons. Uh, Zerillion. I've never said this name right. Zerillion of Zerillion. Zerillion. That can't be right. Yeah. It's L A N. But anyway, Zerillion of the Claw. Oh, Zerillion. Zerillion. Zer- See, that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I've always said Zerillion, so you just fixed it for me. <laughs> I've always called it Zerillion, but that's not right either. So um, we'll get somebody to correct us on the Discord. But anyway, yeah, Zerillion. Zerillion. That doesn't feel right in any way. But anyway. Nope, I like Zerillion much better. I like if I Zerillion, was yeah. As a branding guy. Um, but go ahead. We're talking about the legend for five mana who for one red red will tap and search your deck for a dragon, throw it into play. It's got haste, exile it uh, at end of turn. Or if it's still in play at all, actually, I believe is how it's worded. If it would leave the battlefield, you have to exile it, right? No, exile it at the beginning of the next end step. So if it's in play, you have to exile it. You have some way to sacrifice it. Greater good, uh, then you're in business. Right now you can get these for about $15. They're on the reserve list. Zerlian has already had a time where it spiked to more than $30. And that time... Yeah, it was 35 last summer. Yeah. On the back of Miriam, probably. Um, exactly. So if we're going to get a whole bunch of new Ur-Dragons coming in, then we're going to have a whole bunch of new players for it. And that means that this particular guy is going to be one of those fun cards where you can buy it, sell it for double, rebuy it at the original price that it was before that spike, and you are going to get another bite at this particular apple. I think that it's a, a easy pick to double up 15 to 30. It's going to get there once uh, people start opening the Ur-Dragon and building the Ur-Dragon. And uh, I'm probably going to have like one dragon pick a week going forward from this because it's going to be such easy money. Let's see if her dragon stays on top as we get into late summer. They are releasing so many good commanders. However, given that Ur-Dragon and Atraxa, which are old school commanders by any standard, are sitting right in squarely in the top five, despite us getting, what, 300 new legends in the last year, uh, suggests they do have staying power. So you you may end up right on this, no doubt. Now I want to I want to say one more thing though. Atraxa got new copies and everybody got into Atraxa, right? Yeah, yeah. 
we're I'm uh, I'm gonna propose a side bet off can off uh, off mic, but I think Ur Dragon is gonna take the spot from Atraxa. Oh, I somehow doubt that. I think we're gonna have Lord of the Rings commanders that are dominating through most of the summer. We'll see, buddy. We'll see. But le- but but let's get into that because they have given us a bunch of information about stuff coming out for the rest of the year. Now the 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 tricky part here was. When they gave us, when all the complaints were being uh, levied in the early fall, because they had to delay Infinity and they had to delay the 40k release, both were supposed to be spring 2022 releases, ended up being fall releases, so we went from Dominaria United into 40k, into Infinity, into Brothers War, and the 30th anniversary $1,000 packs, and the 30th anniversary calendar, and a whole bunch of secret layers, and everybody was like, ah, it's too much. Back it down a notch, Wizards. So they did their big announcement in the fall, the stream where they laid out 2023, and they explained all the sets, and they told us that there was such and such places we're going back to. So Phyrexia will be one. They told us about Ixalan next fall. Um, they told us about the Lord of the Rings set and a Doctor Who uh, secret project, but they left out a pretty big inclusion <laughs> that I think would have put people pretty sour if they had made it so close on the heels of Double Masters 2022, um, because this is very much the same kind of set and ends up being the proof that they were too far down the road on a major release schedule for this year to back it off so they've been playing little games you know like they they uh they moved the release of phyrexia all would be one back a little bit after dominaria remastered versus where it was supposed to be originally but the rest of this year is still looking just about as intense as last year except without the, the scheduling snafus so they revealed today that commander masters is an additional major release coming out in August of this year. And of course, what this does is puts everybody on tilt that is holding commander-specific specs that are due for a reprint because commander is the biggest format in the game. All of the vendors and speculators know that. They've been loading up on related cards. And now they're saying, yeah, we're not taking this year off on the master set like you thought we might be. Lord of the Rings looked pretty safe, but now you've got a full reprint set with no new cards that is coming out in August. And so, for for example, they are reprinting uh, almost three years after its original release, Jeweled Lotus. So, uh, and the, the interesting thing here is, obviously, you're getting regular copies. They're using the same art as the original, uh, which is something I think they should revisit. Because I think that one of the ways you can make original printing special is by never using that art again. Um, obviously they prefer to reuse art because it's cheaper for them, but given what I know about how wizard, how much wizards actually pays for their art, it's not actually that big a deal <laughs> to replace art on key cards. Right. And they probably don't have to do it on everything. Like I don't care if they reuse art, art on commons, but something like jeweled Lotus, an argument can be made that they, they might want to protect the original printing. Now, that being said, they aren't actually giving us the foil extended arts again. Uh, If people read between the lines today, they are giving us regulars, probably regular foils. They're giving us foil etched jeweled lotus, and they're giving us a frame-breaking borderless where the art is deliberately pushed out to the edges of the frame and over top of parts of the frame, um, which is going to work better or worse depending on the card and the art in question. So there's a very fancy borderless jeweled lotus that is going to be included here. And there's going to be textured foils 
And there's going to be serialized versions of cards. So they're doing the serialized thing that they started in Brothers War. I guess they started with the Seer and the Secret Layers and then in Brothers War. And now they're going to bring it back for this. And it so people were upset because they're worried that their foil extended art jeweled lotuses are suddenly worth a lot less. And that's probably true to an extent. But, you know, I saw people getting ultra dramatic on Twitter and like pretending to throw them in the trash can. And it's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Please. Like they didn't even take it out of the sleeve to put it in the trash can. It's fine. First of all, it's a foil mythic from three years ago that doesn't auto-include in something like 40 to 50% of EDH decks. It's significantly gate-kept at $100 plus for just the regular copies. And the foil extended arts had sold upwards of 600 to to 1000 That, three years out, is prime for reprint. Yes. So if you're holding it when three years rolls around, when you could have gotten out, dude, that's on you. That's on you <laughs> like collecting 101 is if they have a good reason to reprint something they will and especially in this era i have made tons of money on jeweled lotuses and i'm caught holding one german foil extended art copy where i've had f- no shorter no less than four opportunities to get out of the card in the last six months where people offered me six hundred dollars plus on it and i was being greedy looking for 850 plus and so that's totally on my shoulders. But the exit was there. If you don't take your exits, yep. that's on you. So now there's going to be fresh lotuses. They're going to get as cheap as they can get. And then they'll be specs. <laughs> so yes. I wouldn't worry about it too much. Uh, there's a real fancy looking Ur-Dragon. Yeah. That they show it off here. It is a, they're called profile cards. And I think they're going to be all associated with uh, legendary creatures. And it's like a close up. Uh, in this case, looks like a, almost a pixelated, like 16-bit f- profile shot of him roaring uh, on a pink, bright pink background. I'm sure those will be popular. They showed off the first uh, reprint ever of Capture of Jingzu. I'm sure I'm butchering that Chinese language word. Uh, this is a time warp by another name. And this is, you know, wizards grabbing at low-hanging fruit. Capture is expensive like imperial seal was before it it's not going to see as much play as imperial seal you should expect this to crash 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 ur dragon is a top five commander that'll be a little different but they're still milking the existing um ev i mean wizards has shown again and again if something hasn't had a reprint for a while if it's very popular and it's very expensive it's at the top of the priority list for reprints because it anchors the set yes so, um, you know, we're going to end up giving this lesson repeatedly, but uh, I know I've written at least two articles in my MTG Prize career about the trajectory of reprint sets and how even if you've got something that's gotten caught, you had something that is uh, expensive and um, it will get expensive again. So, uh, for instance... I would say that we're probably 80-20 to have Smothering Tithe in this set. That's just a guess. Don't have any information on that. Uh, if you've got Smothering Tithes, now might be the time to make sure you've, you've listed them at the price you want before they get previewed. Or you just say, alright, I'm not going to worry about these Smothering Tithes for an extra calendar year. And I'll come back to them. I bought them at a good price. And I'm not going to stress about when it gets reprinted. I know they were in Double Masters too. 
I'm I'm aware of that, but Double Masters 2 will be a year and a half late, right? It was a, a year and a half, yeah. It'll be almost two years to when uh, it came out, and so I would not be shocked if we were to get another Smothering Tithe. They're going to hit Ristic Study again? Mm-hmm. They would hit Mystic Remora if they haven't just given it to you in Dominaria Remasters. Uh, doubling Season? Doubling Season. Probably on the table yes. here. Parallel Lives? Sure. Anointed Procession? All of that good stuff. Probably not Dockside. Because they just gave... You know, they used him as the anchor. They'll use him as the anchor for another set. I'll say no on Dockside. I'll agree with you on that. Because Dockside, they just gave us last summer in Double Masters 2022. I think a year is too short for them to go to that well again. Yeah, I think Tide is safe. Anything from last summer, from the last big set last summer, probably safe. Mm. You, you don't, you don't, you don't typically see them hit like from Double Masters to Double Masters 2022, two years apart. You don't typically see them double tap things. How many but times within have a fi- we've within seen a three that? to five year range, you definitely do. Oh well, that's that's a much longer range. Like we've seen them uh, double tap things with a set and then a secret layer version. Secret layer is different though, because a secret layer is like a time boxed release. They can argue that it, that's a different thing because it's only such and such amount of copies. It's different art. They tend to be priced a little higher than regular copies. But a rare that just came out last summer, that's probably safe. But Ristic Study, which was last seen in a secret layer and in Jumpstart 2022, not safe sure. because it was printed in ancillaries. Um, things like Skull Clamp aren't safe here, that even though they got two copies, two versions in the last six months. Uh, I would bet you money uh, there's another version of Arcane Signet somewhere in here. Yeah, that that's a that's automatic. And they could Soul go Rain. ahead and print the... I would love some uh, medallions. Medallions would be nice. I have some decks that could really use some medallions. In terms of scheduling, the first look at this set, where they're going to reveal a bigger chunk of it, is May 16th. So that's only three months away. Yes. Feb to March, March to April. Yeah, three months away. And the WPN Premium Store preview events are July 28th. And August 4th is the tabletop launch. Now, if we look at the Lord of the Rings set, which is actually the first thing they're releasing big thing they're releasing this summer after March of the Machines. We're looking at first look March 14th. So Lord of the Rings, you're going to see a pile of cards in three weeks. Buckle they, up. And then the day, the pre-release is June 16th. Now, before that, we have March of the Machines, and they showed us a whole bunch of cards from that the other day at the Pro Tour. It's March of the Machine singular. I keep saying machines too. I keep thinking it's wrong oh. every time I see it, but it's actually March of the Machine. Got it. March of the Machine, which is cute because it's mom, which is what everybody calls it. We're just going to call it mom. Elish. It's true. And and Elish Norn is invading the multiverse, so they big win on the branding front there. Completely mommy. Uh, this set does not look like it's going to underwhelm. No. Like some people thought Streets of New Capenna did. This looks like a continuation of the power level and themes that we saw in Phyrexia All Will Be One, which just came out two weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> so, of course, they start, we're at the Phyrexia All Will Be One Pro Tour, and they're already talking about the next set. So, their commitment to churn, increased spacing between announcements and the constant churn of the hype cycle is looking pretty minor indeed. Uh, lots of cool stuff here, though. I've got a, a top pick, a, a current top pick for best rare on the set from an EDH perspective in the Yuta Takahashi World Championship card, Fairy Mastermind. 
For those that don't know the backstory here, um, for a long time, they gave, I guess it wasn't that long, for several years, they gave world champions a chance to make their own card. They stopped doing it for a while, then they started again. Yuta didn't win the world championships with Blue Black Fairies, but he's a fi- infamous Blue Black Fairies player from back in the day, and so they let him make a fairy rogue. It is a 2-1 flash flyer for one and a blue. Whenever an opponent draws their second card each turn, you draw a card. And for three and a blue, each player draws a card. This card looks good on the surface, but it is deceptive. It's actually not good. It's fantastic. <laughs> think about think about what things like Smothering Tithe and Esper Sentinel and Ristic Study do, where people have a choice. They have incremental... They're doing things, drawing cards or casting spells, and in, if they pay, they can deny you a resource. So they have choice. With Mastermind, the only choice they have is, are they going to go ahead and draw a card or not? Almost no commander player ever yeah. to cl- deny themselves a card to deny you a card. We're really bad at that. It's true. For them, in, with Ristic, for them to pay a mana to deny a card is, a, in the mid to late game, a much, much less of a big deal. Fairy Mastermind, on average, I would guess, is going to draw two to three cards per turn cycle. Not only because everybody's drawing cards all the time, but because you can force the matter. Yeah. And you can do it strategically to make sure that, say, somebody draws their first card on somebody else's turn, and then somebody else does that for whatever reason. <laughs> you can go ahead and activate and draw three. Yeah. Because they've all, you're on somebody else's turn, so they've already drawn one that turn, so you're definitely getting the trigger from them. And if other people do stuff at the same time, as a result of whatever, deadly somebody targets somebody's thing, they deadly dispute, so they draw a card, make a treasure. Now you've got two triggers on this. You know, your storm count for drawing with Mastermind is at two. Somebody else does a thing, they draw a card. You're going to draw so many cards, and it's an innocuous threat, so no one's targeting this thing. Like, no one's going to waste point removal on this until it becomes a serious problem. And it's it's a resource generator, not a combo piece. So it's not going to draw the point removal most of the time, which is going to be saved for people's commanders and their combo creatures. This is a very, very good card. Like I said, Thieving Skydiver was good. This is better than Thieving Skydiver. I agree with that easily. It's also a fairy and a rogue. Yeah. So in the blue-black ninjas decks... I, this is an auto-include in Satoru, where I'm going to turn this into a Blightsteel Colossus. This is an auto-include in Yuriko, where you're going to ninjutsu it in and out of play to save it as necessary, potentially, and and or uh, ninjutsu it into play in response to people drawing a bunch of cards. This is, <laughs> this is a good rare. So many good things going on here. You touched on all of them, and it's going to be a card that, uh, as a regular rare... We might have a chance at cheap copies, but I, I think that the um, the hype around it will get to a point where like there will be multiple Command Zone uh, MTG Goldfish videos about this card. Like, don't ever let your opponents get this card into play. And they'll be right, because this is, for all the reasons that you laid out, a uh, horrifically unfair card. Can you imagine casting... Um, I forget what the card is. Uh, each player draws three cards for like one in a blue. So now you're going to draw an extra three car- cards. It's just so, so good. Well, there's a bunch of indica- there's a bunch of ways to make sure everyone draws one card. Right. 
that would be group hug in a lot of scenarios that this turns into you draw four, they draw one. This is uh, so good with um, Arcane Denial. Not Arca- is it Arcane Denial where they draw? Yeah, Arcane Denial. Like, the list is a long one, and you will have a very good time with this card. This is a, an excellent design. I can't, I'm so glad to see the World Championship cards, like, given, like, the flavor text, where there's like, by the way, World Champion card right here. Now, people aren't, th- people aren't thrilled with the art, and I also don't think this is gonna, likely to be a strong competitive card. So these should get cheap. And they, they they might end up like Thieving Skydiver and take three years to get to $4 in foil extended art and then slowly climb thereafter. Or it might get flagged early as being more of a Smothering Tide level card, in which case it'll start expensive, drift down for four to six months, and then you'll get your entry point. I think it's more likely to get uh, super cheap early, but I'm, we've got some time to figure that one out. So the Phyrexians are invading all over. So they're turning a bunch of legends into Phyrexians, completing not just Planeswalkers, but famous legendary uh, creatures on various planes. So we're going to get all sorts of fun stuff where creatures that are good, bad, neutral turn into Phyrexians. Good example, we've got Omnath, Locus of All, which is a five-color mana cost where the black mana is Phyrexian mana. Very, very cute. It's a Phyrexian Elemental. It's a 4-4. And if you would lose unspent mana, that mana becomes black instead. So you can basically just stockpile mana you don't use. That's pretty cute. And then at the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card if it has three or more colored mana symbols in its mana cost. If you do, add three mana in any combination of its colors and put it into your hand. If you don't reveal it, put it into your hand. So You're going to draw a card. Yeah, and if you've got three, you know, you're running a three to five color deck is what this wants to be. And it's going to do very well in Jota the Unifier, um, where it's going to help you draw an extra card. And it's going to come into play. And it's going to draw you another legend off of Jota. Yes. <laughs> and then the next turn, it's going to let you look at another thing and put it in your hand and give you the mana to cast it, which is then going to get another Jota trigger. Yep. So with Jota still in the top 10, Omnath is looking like an auto-include in there. It's a buy-a-box promo, so they're probably going to get pretty cheap, unlikely to be a great spec um, given its five-color nature. But it's a, a commander in its own right because this is a very cute deck to put together given the combination of words on this. So pretty cool. Now, they also went ape shit and decided that <laughs> one... That wacky things happen when the Phyrexians invade and uh, strange bedfellows are made. And they took a whole bunch of characters that would normally never be seen together and turned them into double character legendary cards. Easily the most exciting of those so far is probably this dinosaur vampire, Galta and Maverin. Three double green, double white for a 12-12 trample. Dinosaur vampire. Whenever you attack, choose one. Create a tapped and attacking XX green dinosaur creature token with trample where X is the greatest power among other attacking creatures. So you don't get a 12-12 off Galta. You have to have, say, a 5-5 attacking, then you get an extra 5-5. Or create X-1-1 white vampire creature tokens with lifelink where X is the number of other attacking creatures. So if you're aggro at the time, you make another attacker. If you're more feeling more defensive or you want to combo off with tokens, you make a bunch of little vampires. But the craziest thing about this is that in Pioneer now, you can use Soren Imperious Bloodlord, the three casting cost Black Planeswalker, to put any vampire from your hand into play with his minus ability. And this is a vampire. Yeehaw. 
It's huge. So you can get, on turn three, I think, you can get a 12-12 yep. trampling uh, dinosaur vampire the with Soren. combo is play a mana elf on turn one, and then turn two, you drop Soren. Soren minuses to drop this into play. And then you say to your opponent, all right, you have uh, two turns to draw an answer to this. It does, thankfully, it does, and, doesn't have any kind of protection for itself, but it's going to be some really like meme-worthy screenshots of turn two. I have a 12-12 in play. What do you got? Now, I have no idea what the rest of that deck looks like. Nope. And whether you can actually, whether it can actually be built or is just silly, <laughs> but fun. Very fun. They also showed us Slimefoot and Squee. Uh, Jund for a 3-3 Fungus Goblin. Whenever Slimefoot and Squee enters the battlefield or attacks, you create a 1-1 green sapling creature token. Four, sacrifice a sapling, return this from, and up to one other target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That's a nice little engine. Yep. Um, a lot of reanimate going on. It's worth noting that um, some of these pair-ups are in the... Um, main set. The main set, and some are in the commander set. So, like... Slimefoot and Squee is a commander set card. Galta and Maverin, Maverin is a main set card. And uh, we'll we'll be noting that as we go because uh, they, they put a bunch of these in, in each of the sets. And so th- I think they would have been better served to have this be in one or the other. But uh, I, what do I, I think know? I think Galta and Maverin is from the bundle, according to the text on the card. It's a, it does say it's from the uh, from the bundle, yes, but it's in the MOM is the symbol on there so i that's that I, as opposed to moc yeah. yeah there's also goro goro and satoro from uh kamagawa grixis colors for a three four goblin human whenever one or more creatures you control that entered the battlefield this turn deal combat damage to a player create a five five red dragon spirit creature token with flying and one and a red creatures you control gain haste until end of turn could you squeeze this into the ur dragon why would i you have enough hasty dragons I'm to make no, this work Listen, well? listen. The Ur-Dragon, like, every day I wake up and I think, oh, there's so many cool dragons I'm not playing. This isn't a dragon. I'm not going to play it. I'm a real purist about that stuff. But but could it fit? Oh, it absolutely the... could. There's a ton of, like, great hasty dragons that I love to play. But uh, I I would imagine this is just its own, like, sweet uh, blue, blue, black, red hasty deck rather than being a... Um, Who's the, there was one that like whenever a creature with haste attacks, you get a treasure token. Like we're going to get a lot of cool haste enablers here because every time you get a, a hasty hit in, uh, you get another 5-5. Five five. Good job. <laughs> they also showed off Yargle and Maltani, three double black green for an 18-6 frog spirit <laughs> elemental. 18-6. So... I was I was joking that in modern, if you get this into play and fling, that's the game over because everybody shocks themselves with their fetch land shot combo. It's very very true. It's only six mana. I mean, it's hard to argue with, uh, you know, this level of stat. Well, six mana. It's got to live a turn. Then you got to have a fling in hand. So very very meme worthy. Uh, but it would be fun to take to an F and M. It would be fun to take <laughs> and then to just an basically basically just play Jund with a bunch of kill spells and thoughtsies and stuff, so you slow the game down. And and then drop Yargle and fling it at somebody. I think uh, Thalia and the Gitrog monster is going to be uh, a deck that a lot of people build because it gets to go in a, a fun new direction. So it's uh, one Abzan, uh, one white, green, black for a 4-4. Four, four. First strike, death touch. Fantastic combination of abilities. Nobody ever gets to dance with that. Ridiculous art. I love Thalia on the back of, you know, a giant-ass frog. It's a human frog yeah. horror. 
You get to play an additional land, and creatures and non-basics your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped, so it just slows them down a turn. Then, whenever it attacks, you get to sack a creature or land and then draw a card. So it's not quite... Um, Who's the dragon that whenever he comes to play or attacks, you sack a thing and draw, you put a counter on him and draw? Corvold. Corvold. It's not quite Corvold, but it does give you um, white to give you a whole lot of fodder to sacrifice instead of uh, having red sacrifice fun. So I think we're going to see a lot of that fun stuff. Yeah, and the three mana Thala, Thalia that was in the 30th uh, anniversary countdown kit, I just opened a foil of that slightly before the cast. Hit a foil chrome ox, by the way. Nice. Kappa. And uh, the art on that's amazing. And that card is in that tens of thousands of EDH decks because making sure things come into play tapped is a very useful ability in Commander. It sets everybody back a turn, basically. Yep. And, and if they're doing shenanigans where things are coming in and out of play, it makes flickering and reanimating worse. Um, and so the fact that this has first strike death touch... It, plays good defense it plays good offense it draws cards it uh taxes your opponent and lets you play extra cards this looks like it's going to be a very popular mythic in the long term um going back to yargle and multani i just realized you don't actually need to be on turn seven (laughs) to fool around with this in modern you can dump this in the yard on turn one and gorio's vengeance it on turn two oh sure (laughs) Like, you... Now I don't know. I, I guess you could need, probably need to be doing it a little different. You're probably like elf turn one, turn two, dump it to the yard, make a treasure somehow, and then turn three or four fling. But it's definitely not as late in the game as I thought it might be, because well, it's a legend. So you can reanimate it for just two mana a bunch of ways. So yeah, yeah. there's a there's a lot of but not a not a not a bunch of ways, but I mean Gorios at minimum. Gorios and um. Uh, what's the one in Modern For, Horizons uh, that you can bring? Or is that non-legendary? Persist is non-legendary. non-legendary. That's why that doesn't oh, work. Oh, yeah, huh? Yeah, that, that's why everybody does it, that to Archon instead. Uh, um, okay. Anyway, somebody has to kill somebody with a flung Yarkle is what I'm saying, or you're not my friend anymore. Mm. Drana and Linvala, one double white black, three four vampire angel, both popular tribes. Uh, flying vigilance, activated abilities of creatures your opponent's control can't be activated. Drana and Linvala has all activated abilities of all creatures your opponents control. You may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to activate those abilities. So just go ahead and build Thalia and the Gitrog monster and then put Drana and Linvala in and put three mana Thalia and two mana Thalia and a bunch of moms. Love it. Love <laughs> and it. And get kicked out of your EDH crew. Just become persona non grata every place you go. Who, who doesn't want to do that? None of you can do anything and I do all the things you wanted to do. Exactly. I'm stealing all the fun things from you. Uh, they showed us Breach the Multiverse, five double black for a sorcery. Each player mills 10 cards. For each player, choose a creature or planeswalker card in that player's graveyard. Put those cards onto the battlefield under your control. Then each creature you control becomes a Phyrexian in addition to its other types. This is basically a black uh, expropriate. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. You get to get Which all is... the fun things for yourself. You get to steal them right from your opponent. It's permanent. Like This is a sorcery. So they have to like do something like homeward path in order to get it back. You can't just disenchant it and get it back. They showed us moment of truth, which is not a spec. It's just a blue instant that look gives you some card selection, but it has a picture of uh, Elspeth 
uh, on the precipice of eternity, according to the flavor text. And there's a bunch of feathers floating around. So now everybody is uh, speculating as to whether Elspeth is going to convert into some kind of angelic planeswalker or legendary angel. Well, I mean, she's already an, uh, a planeswalker. So like what, what she converts to from here on out, who the heck knows? Apparently, Elish Norn has been running around completing gods as she enters these planes, so they're giving us Heliod the Radiant Dawn. Two double white for a legendary and creature, enchantment creature god. This is the third incarnation of Heliod, if I'm not mistaken. When Heliod enters the battlefield, return target enchantment card that isn't a god from your graveyard to your hand. And then for three and Phyrexian white mana, transform Heliod the Radiant Dawn. Actually, it's a Phyrexian is it, blue. Is it? Ah, Phyrexian blue. Got it. Uh, and then it flips to a 4-6 Phyrexian god. You may cast spells as though they had flash, and spells you cast cost one less to cast for each card your opponents have drawn this turn. That's a nice little combo with the fairy where you can make them draw stuff and then make all <laughs> your spells cheaper. Uh, notably, though, this incarnation of Heliod has no kind of indestructibility at all. There's no yep. protection for yep. itself. It is now uh, very, very vulnerable, thankfully. I think this one is more cute than, than hot. Um, they also showed us Jinjataxis as a Praetor that turns into a Saga. And I suspect we're going to get... All of uh, them. I, I think that Elish Norn might do this or might turn into a Planeswalker. All right, I'll give you Elish Norn turning into a Planeswalker, but we get all five Praetors turning into something. Yeah, and it, it's possible they're all just Sagas. So Gingitoxius is three double blue for a 5-5 five, five legendary creature Phyrexian Praetor. Ward 2, whenever you cast an on-creature spell with mana value 3 or greater, draw a card. And then for 4 mana, you can switch Gingitoxius, and you can only activate it uh, if you have 7 or more cards in hand. When you activate it, it turns into a Saga. First turn is draw cards equal to the number of cards in your hand. You have no maximum hand size for as long as you control the Great Synthesis. So keep in mind, you had to have 7 to get to this. So the definition of win more is now the back <laughs> of this card, where you go to 14 cards on the flip. The, the next turn, you return all non-Phyrexian creatures to their owner's hands. So you Cyclonic Rift the board. Uh... And then the third one is you may cast any number of spells from your hand without paying their mana cost. So on the third turn, if they haven't done something about you yet or gotten rid of this saga, then you get to have a turn of omniscience with presumably 14 to 20 cards in hand. And then you get to start the cycle all over again. I think the game is probably over at that point. But in theory, yes, then it flips back to the normal Gingitaxius. So that's hilarious. To be said. And will be popular, I would imagine. Yeah, the normal Gingitaxius is already, like, ridiculous. Whenever you cast a non-creature with value value 3 or greater, draw a card. Come on, it's every blue player's dream. And it's got a ward 2 on it. Just a little bit of protection goes a long way. Because typically what happens is somebody, anytime you have a ward creature, I've seen this again and again. People go, oh, I'm going to kill that. And then you go, ward two. And they go, oh, that fucks up my whole turn. And they take it back. It's true. They do. It's absolutely a thing. Uh, They also showed off that the commander decks for uh, March of the Machine are coming with the return of Planescape Planes, which I think is a very uh, clever uh, inclusion because they're invading all the planes simultaneously so they're reintroducing these i've always had fun with these they tend to be much better in play groups that know cards very well because otherwise it's just way too much to manage and and track but 
The Planeswalker die has led to plenty of hilarity over the years. I'm happy to see more planes. I would imagine that planes in old planes in general are and planescape decks are probably instantly specs because people are going to get a get a load of these that haven't seen that have never they are probably a big chunk of commander players that have never played with these. And somebody's going to crack a few of these and immediately go to TCG player or eBay and look for the rest of them. I would agree with that. There's a couple of them that were um, only given out as like um, Friday night promos, promos. and kind of yeah. thing. So some of those can already be expensive. And if we're getting a, a whole new bunch, um, now n- notice like I think there's a very high chance we get uh, a lot of reprints of the same ones. So if you run out and you buy, uh, I cannot remember the name of any of the planes. But if you buy any of the older ones uh, from the original Plane Chase decks or whatever, uh, just know that you... I don't know that they made all new planes. We don't really have that information. It skips around a lot. Toashi is 0067. The Isle of Vesuva is 140-0147. So, like, there's a, a lot of space in between there. And I wouldn't be shocked if there was a, a lot of these reprints going on. Yeah, so apparently the fancy treatment in Mom is Halo, as opposed to Phyrexianized, or oil, or whatever it was. So it'll be like a some kind of good guy super buff to counter the Phyrexians, it seems like. Is this the set where we get battle? Oh yeah, we're also getting battle cards, that's right. And they're dual-sided, they've revealed. Yeah, goody. Uh, the, the last mythic to talk about here is Chandra Holmes Beacon, four double red for a five loyalty planeswalker. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. So it just copies everything. And then uh, plus two it, loyalty is add two mana in any combination of colors. Plus one is exile the top five cards of your library until the end of your next turn. You can cast instants or sorcery spells from among those cards. You still got to pay the mana cost, but you have the option. And then minus X is deals X damage to each of up to two targets. That is a very powerful six mana planeswalker. Thing is, there are tons of red planeswalkers like this in the game. Yeah, there's a a lot of, like, you could get um, the copy ability just on double vision, and that hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, as I can attest to having a stack of uh, extended art foils. But this is yeah. uh, still a, a really like powerful Planeswalker, like you said. There's a lot going on here. It's just that there's a lot of really good red Planeswalkers. Well, spells matter as Planeswalkers. Do not in any way dominate the top 20 Planeswalkers built. Right. Attracts the Urtet, Lathril, Ishin, the Ur-Dragon, Yuriko, Wilhet, Miriam, Joda. These are all tribal. Almost all of this is tribal. You've got Tessa, Maldrotha, Prosper in the top 20 that aren't, but there's like, there's no Grixis Spells Matters legend that has really caught fire as a commander. And so a lot of those cards are, you know, the Spells Matters cards are don't do that well as specs. Sadly, that is the case. But you know. Now, eventually we will, eventually we will get some Grixis Color Commander that lights a fire, but. At present, not 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 really a factor. Got a couple of is it ones uh, that can do it, but not really in Grixis. You're right. So the only other thing we noted was there is little marketing text on the revealed Lord of the Rings uh, boxes that suggests you can get serialized the One Ring, mm-hmm. and it says may contain a serialized ring, but didn't say the One Ring. 
So it leads me to believe that there's a cycle of rings, because if you know the lore in Lord of the Rings, it was one ring to rule them all, but that meant there were other rings. There was rings given to the dwarves, the men, and the elves. And so I suspect we're getting at least one representative from each of those, and then maybe the one ring will interact with them. Some people were, were suggesting in our Discord that the, the one ring will just be a soul ring reskin, but that seems wrong to me. First of all, the uh, Lord of the Rings cards are modern legal. <laughs> I don't think they're putting Soul Ring <laughs> yes. into Modern. That is true. So it seems much more likely to me that it's a Mindslaver variant of some kind that will be powerful. Because that's kind of the theme of the One Ring. Right, is to take control of the other rings. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that. You know, we'll have some fun rings of power. The uh, Lord of the Rings commander sets. Uh, we're getting a ton of commander sets coming out, right? We've got four for Commander Masters. That's in August. Lord of the Rings is May, right? Yeah. And no, wait. Or no, March. Late May, early June. Yeah. And so we're getting uh, a couple commander decks there. We're getting commander decks with uh, March of the Machine. Um, it, it's going to be a lot of commander specific stuff. And um, what I'm going to be waiting to see is if they do uh, just everything non foil again, or if they decide to go to the Warhammer well and hit us with. Some are foil, but we have a, a small number of foil product. couple final points on all of this. Those four decks we talked about earlier, the Eldrazi deck, the Sliver deck, the Enchantments Matters deck, and the Planeswalker deck. Planeswalker deck. Um, endangers some specs along those themes, but enriches others. In the secret layers over the last year or so, they've been giving out foil extended art uh, slivers. And some of those have been very rare, and some of those have been fairly easy to find. They're giving us a sliver deck where the uh, the lead picture looks very much like it's probably a sliver king, as opposed to a sliver queen. So a new five-color legendary sliver. And sliver queen, of course, is a roller coaster reserve list spec that has made people money some people money three four five six times yep um i just sold a couple of those recently so maybe the rumor has been floating around about this deck bottom line sliver queen is might even be a spec even right this second uh you know there's usually japanese copies hanging around under 150 on ebay i moved mine from 150 to 250 today um and left the offer open at 150 plus just to see what it would net but I'm not in a rush to sell anything Sliver-related until we get closer to the release of those decks because they're not—they're just going to be regular decks. They're not going to have, you know, extended art or foil extended art reprints in there. There's going to be new Sliver cards, basic versions of Sliver reprints, and people will be looking to upgrade, and those secret layer foil extended arts are probably going to do pretty well. Um, also worth flagging that the Eldrazi-themed deck means that Eldrazi-specific fancy cards like textu Textured Foil Kozilek, Textured Foil Ulamog from last summer might see some bumps as people start to pull those together. It looks like the leader of that deck is a new version of Ulamog, so you would imagine the other versions of Ulamog will, people will want to include. And in the Planeswalkers deck, given that Atraxa has already uh, put pressure on Super Friends specs, you can expect things like the Chain Veil. That was my first thought, too. Potentially, yeah, poten potentially to get a reprint there. But a Foil Chain Veil may just get knocked into up to the moon 
on the back of that deck. You know, all all that kind of stuff. Oath of Nyssa foils, uh, Oath of Teferi foils, um, the Ickermoon Gauntlet that we talked about last week from Phyrexial will be one. Luxior, Giada's Gift, all of those Super Friends specific things are likely to do very well. Um, you know, Doubling Seasoned could get reprinted in August, but if they don't tell us that up front, then the, you know, Commander decks are going to take off or if they don't give us doubling season there, the Super Friends deck could knock that, you know, even higher than it already is. That's, that's the life of doubling season. It just keeps going up and down and up and down. It gets reprinted, and then it gets cheap, and you should buy them all, and then it's going to get printed again, and you get to sell them all. It's just a great time, and I look forward to welcoming all the people onto the roller coaster that is doubling season. I just sold $45 Japanese-acquired borderless copies for... 80 the other day so yeah i mean happy to be out of my gilded foil atraxas i guess oh that's the other thing we we didn't talk about there for march of the machine there is a masterpiece uh that's not the right word there is they're reusing the masterpiece frame but we'll get to that in a second um there is a strixhaven uh mystical archives style inclusion where I think in set booster packs and CBs, you get one legendary creature, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's correct, yes. It's going to be from a large subset, similar to Mystical Archives. Uh, Because of the inclusion style, most of those have to crash, no matter what they're priced at up front. They're using a bunch of prior frame treatments, but not necessarily doing the fanciest versions thereof. So, for example... We already had a Traxa in a gilded foil version from a secret layer uh, last June. This, it with March of the Machine, you can get a, a Traxa in a different showcase style from Nuka Penna, presumably because she's invading there, I guess. And But it's not going to be gilded foil. It's, it's going to come in foil and regular, and I think there is a serialized version as well. Right. But... <clears throat> But it won't be gilded. Likewise, you can get Ragavan in a masterpiece treatment. Yeah. So they're using Kaladesh artifact treatment from the original masterpieces for Ragavans. And for a walking booster, and, right? Yeah. And so that, and no, no, because it's only legendary creatures, pretty sure. Oh, then what was the walking ballista from that I saw? Uh, I don't know, but walking ballista already had a masterpiece. Oh, right. That, sorry. Just, that just completely set my mind. Good. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, did it? No, Hangerback Walker had a masterpiece. Hangerback did, yeah. Pretty sure. So anyway, Ragavan can be pulled out of mom CBs. And there's going to be a serialized version, so presumably numbered to 500, although they haven't confirmed that yet, I don't think. So you're going to have... We had Ragavans released as borderless and uh, versions two summers ago. And now they're giving us a masterpiece version. So people are complaining that Ragavan... I saw a lot of people panic selling their borderless Ragavans. I'm not sure that's uh, the way to go there. Like, if you look at Demonic Tutor from the Mystical Archives, most of the archives drop through the floor. Right. But the best of the best of the TSR um, OBFs, like your Yawgmoths got up into the hundreds of dollars. The, the Demonic Tutor with the Japanese alt art from the Mystical Archives has always been high uh and 
and I suspect Ragavan gets to hold that slot here. Um, one thing to note, uh, I was thinking of the secret lair drop that they previewed. Um, there is a masterpiece walking ballista coming in that secret lair drop. That's what I was thinking of. That was a new announcement. Like, gotcha. like we said early on, they announced a whole ton of stuff. Yeah, lots, lots and lots of stuff. I'm just seeing if there was anything interesting uh, in the fancy cards other than Ragavan that we should flag. I think they they showed us Atraxa in the SNC frame, Ragavan in the Masterpiece frame. They showed us Omnath, Locus of All, uh, in a Zendikar showcase frame, and Thalia and the Gitrog monster are going to be available in the uh, showcase frame from Innistrad. Heliod the Radiant Dawn is available in a Theros showcase frame, and Jinjataxius will be available in the uh, Oil Slick. Can't remember what that frame is called, I think but the it's one that looks like, yeah. like a, that looks like a Rorschach. So it's a combination of old, like existing cards and new cards, in in this treatment. And it, like for instance, Yargle and Maltani are in the Dominaria United frame. So we we don't know how deep that subset is going to go. Like how many Ragavan cards, like cards that are external um, to this are going to be available, but they won't be standard legal. Like Ragavan is not being put into standard. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would be ugly. Uh, he's actually, they're going to have to ban it from uh, Historic Online too, because it'll be. Yeah, because they're bringing it. Yeah, they're bringing it to Arena. Or, or change it. I suspect they'll just change his text. Well, they better because, we'll like, I can't imagine a more destabilizing influence on the entire arena metagame or, like, make it pioneer legal. You know, just come on. That's not cool. Bottom line, uh, a lot of exciting products coming out this year. 2023. Buckle up. Looking a lot like, 20, look, looking a lot like 2022. Get your wallet ready. All right, where can people find you online, my friend? Uh, you can find me online at Twitter, at Word of Commander, or my Friday articles every week on mtgprice.com. And you guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting and protection of the ProTrader Discord. I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Oh my god, James, it was so much going on today. I'm going to go take a nap after yeah. all that. Had a long one. Enjoy your nap. Thank you, Cliff. And we will see all of you next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. Mm-hmm.